0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book and chapter by chapter. Not necessarily verse by verse. You know, there's a lot of stuff in here, but we're just trying to get a sense of what is the text telling us? What's the big picture? How is this linking up with the context? And that's what we're doing today, especially we're looking at Zechariah chapter 8, because this is a very key chapter. It's sort of a conclusion to the first part of the book. It's a word of gospel uh, that we've been waiting for after we we had sort of the word of warning that we saw in chapter seven last time. Um, So here is this word of gospel. God is changing the fortunes of the people of Judah. Uh, You have a lot of things that are going to sound a little bit familiar, but then there's a lot of things in here, too, that, that are a little bit unique. To Zechariah, um, again, more of the stuff about the fasting that has been changed. They've they've had their fasting and their morning changed to gladness and celebration. So, really important chapter here. The book's not going to be done though. We're going to move on to chapter nine. We're going to ask ourselves, okay, so what what's going on now? So, pivotal chapter. And joining us today, we have returning one of our guests here. We have on the show regularly. We've got Pastor Warren Worth, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. Good morning, brother. So good to have you back with us. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you. I've got a box of tissues here because spring has sprung, and so have my spring allergies. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh. I, uh, But, but uh, I'm hanging in there, doing okay, just kind of itchy eyes, a little bit of uh, sneezing and stuff, so I've got my tissues at hand. And, but otherwise, we're doing great. It's, uh, it was a beautiful day yesterday. I was outside bicycling, and uh, now I'm paying the price <laughs> in oh, terms wow. of yeah. allergies. But right, uh, we're doing right. fine. So I hope you are too, my brother
0: yeah yeah you know we're um i i was just i was just telling um stephanie before the program started that yeah I, I think we're i think we're doing well we're we're healthy by god's grace the uh the thing is like with these you know time changes you're just always like oh no now do i what do i do with nap time and bedtime right with the little ones right so we'll, we'll figure <laughs> we'll figure it out <laughs> we'll figure it out but uh but yeah glad to hear that that you guys are, are doing well and uh you know i guess allergies. I mean, you know, better than COVID-19, but um, we'll we'll try to <laughs> spend the whole, <laughs> the whole time talking about that today. But yeah, so looking at Zechariah chapter 8 here, yeah, this is an important chapter. I mean, yeah, chapter 9 next time, that's the one that people are familiar with. That's the one that, you know, is Palm Sunday and everything else. But before you get to chapter 9, you've got chapter 8, and it is such a hinge chapter, isn't it?
1: It is. It certainly is. And having heard about the judgment of God and the anger of God and the wrath of God, and how uh, because of people's sin, the land was made to be desolate. Uh, now, what a turn of events here when God says, now I'm going to be with you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to restore everything. Uh, is a, a big change, and, and the prominent in all of this is the Lord himself declaring that he will save his people. He will be with them, and they will be his, and their fortunes will change drastically for the better.
0: Amen. Yeah, it's 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 certainly a welcome word of gospel, and and sometimes what can be a mysterious book with all the visions that we saw, and a very ominous one as well, with those warnings that that seem to come regularly, um, especially in the first chapter and the last chapter that we saw. So. Yes, good stuff. It's a little bit longer than most of the chapters in Zechariah, 23 verses. Um, And as usual, each of those verses is really packed full. So let's turn to the text. As we do, would you say a prayer for everyone listening and for us as we get started for our conversation today?
1: I will do that, but I had asked Jenny's permission for a short commercial, so it's a very brief commercial, and that is Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, is having its trivia night next Saturday, March the 14th, at 7 p.m. And so those in the St. Louis area who can join us, we would love to have you. Again, Saturday, March 14th, 7 p.m., Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, 2211 Tenbrook Road, Arnold, Missouri. We hope people will join us. The money that is raised we use for the benefit of missions and ministries supported by Good Shepherd and Good Shepherd's Men. Club. So uh, hopefully people will be able to join us for that. But now to the more important thing, something that is not trivial at all, the Word of God (laughs) and a word of prayer. Let us pray. pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your holy word, the word that makes us wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Give us your Holy Spirit this day to open our hearts and minds, to receive the things you teach us in this chapter, the eighth chapter of the prophet Zechariah. And we ask, O Lord, that through your word today, we would be increased in our faith, our hope, our love, our trust in Jesus, and our living out our lives as those who are your people, who are called to the new heavenly Jerusalem through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bless our speaking today. Bless those who are listening as well. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so, looking at this chapter here, I'm just kind of thinking about um, you know, further just setting things in context, it is interesting that the the very first word um, is "and" again, um, and particularly it's kind of that that same sort of uh, phrasing that you have back in verse eight of chapter seven. In a lot of ways, it seems like this chapter is in is in some ways just a continuation of chapter seven. And I was, as I was mentioning in, in the intro, you know, we're dealing with um, some of the same sorts of things about the fast of the fifth month and the seventh month. And so in some ways, it seems like this is just kind of like the other shoe of chapter seven dropping here. Um, any other thoughts on, on kind of the context to have in mind here as you we look well, at chapter eight?
1: This is kind of the last part of the second word that came to um, Zechariah, so we had earlier you had Zechariah, uh, the Word of the Lord came to him uh, in uh, the second year of Darius and so forth, right and now here in uh, chapter seven, we had uh the fourth, the fourth year, year of King Darius, so it's kind of yes, it is a continuation of that word of the Lord that came to him. And the first part of that word of the Lord, you know, talking about uh, the fact that people's worship was not right, their hearts were far away from God, and it was because of their sin and their impenitence and the refusal to listen to the word of the prophets that uh, the Lord scattered them, and that uh, the land, the beautiful land, the pleasant land, was made to be desolate because of their sin. But now, God is bringing in, as you said many times before, the gospel word, the good news. In spite of their sin, God is faithful, God is gracious. Here he uses the term jealous, as we'll see in a minute. Jealous, but in a good way. Uh, This Lord of hosts, the God of armies, is going to uh, come and deliver his people, rescue his people, Change their fortunes, and the temple is to be rebuilt. That's a common theme here, right? That uh, the Lord has brought his people back from captivity to their land. He's brought them back to Jerusalem. The foundation of the temple has been laid. Now be strong, build the temple, and the Lord will dwell there as he promised, and his blessing will be there for his people as he promised
0: right so right. we continue so we to see. to have that temple in view and we've been seeing that we when we well, we were looking at previously haggai and and then um moving on here to to zechariah so the temple we always go back uh always always come back to the temple in the end so it it'll, it'll be interesting to see how how that picks up and how it gives us a little bit of the sense of uh, how exactly that is um coming along here we we know it's it's uh, there there's forward progress finally but well let's go ahead and turn the text here so let's just get started here. I'll take a, a just a chunk to kind of get things going, beginning with verse 1. And the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain, the mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is, a marvelous, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country and will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So just a beautiful picture, right? Of of restoration. Um, you know, we, we have statements at the beginning about you know the, the the jealousy and the wrath, and we've seen we've seen that before. Um, but then, like the statement, I, I think is is pretty interesting here. I've returned to Zion. Will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Um, you know that that's I think I think that's recalling the language that we had like back in chapter two. So I mean that that stands out is pretty significant uh, here as a change, right?
1: It de- definitely is, definitely is. And even before that, let's kind of get back to this, the word of the Lord of hosts, you know, the Yahweh Tebe, oh, such a significant title used in this chapter alone 10 times. And the fact that the Lord emphasized that he is the one speaking, he is the one making these gracious promises to his people uh, a dozen times, at least in in this chapter. So, uh, yeah, so Yahweh, the covenant God, Yahweh, the God of hosts, Lord of armies, all the angel armies at his Uh, command, as well as being the God of all creation. Some translations, I think the NIV just translates it Lord Almighty. So yes, he is the Almighty God, the all-powerful God. All creation is his. All things are ordered according to his divine will and his divine command. But this God, uh, the God of hosts, the God of armies, whose people are also his, uh, and his he also wants to order our lives and our days according to his good and gracious will. All of that is emphasized here as he is the one who is speaking and making these promises. As he had punished his people, as his wrath had come upon his people, now his grace and mercy are coming to his people. Yeah. And he promises them good. So, thus says, you know, twice in, in a, a row here, the word of the well, Lord. Well, yeah, means, you're right. And then it happens it a lot. You said how many
0: times, the whole chapter?
1: Ten times. Yeah, sometimes in, I mean, in chapter eight. So he's he's definitely emphasizing the, well, yeah. the who he who he is, and what that means for us. He's the one speaking through the prophet. He is the one uh, encouraging his people. He is the one whose house is to be rebuilt. And he is the one who is promising great blessing right. to his people uh, as he's already begun to fulfill his promises, bringing them back right. from the lands where they were scattered, bringing them back to the holy city, and promising them great blessing. And so right. when he says, I'm zealous, jealous for Zion, that certainly bears uh, comment, does it not? Jealous, when we hear the word jealous as 21st century Americans, Usually, it's a bad thing. You know, somebody's jealous, like (laughs) uh, uh, like like a husband who doesn't trust his wife, or something like this. And often, the person who is jealous is often the evil one who's uh, misbehaving or behaving badly. But here, when when the Lord is jealous, it's a good thing. God is jealous for Zion with great jealousy, uh, meaning that he dearly, dearly loves his people, dearly, dearly loves Zion, and is sticking up for them and won't let anybody interfere. It's it's a first commandment thing, right? I am the Lord your God. uh, You will have no other gods before me, no other gods besides me, no other gods in my face, and God being jealous for his people is it talks about his great, great love for us, and that nothing is going to take us away from him, nothing's going to interfere with that. Right. He's going to be very uh, passionate about... Uh, dealing with us and for us, for our benefit, so that we would not uh, be lost. That's the whole point right. here: is is if God didn't care, it'd be fine. You know, go chase after those false gods; they can't save you, and you know you'll be lost. But no, no, no. He's very loving, very passionate about wanting to make sure his people are not lost, are not separated from him forever. And so, for him to say that he's jealous. For Zion, very... Jealous, greatly jealous for him, you know, three times there in a row. I am jealous for her with great wrath. So this repeated yeah. emphasis on his jealousy is, you know, he could just as well say, I love Zion, I'm, I really, really, really love Zion, and I'm not going to let anything right. interfere. And then the great wrath is kind of an interesting thing, too. Great wrath, which had Well, been, if I can
0: pause you just, 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 one, just one second here, because I, I, I really like what you're saying here. I just want to make sure that we're, we're tracking, because I, I like that that you got an emphasis both on this Lord of hosts part and also the jealousy part. And and it really is significant that you get so much of both of those here, right? Because like the last time that we saw a statement about um, God's jealousy, right? Um, And and then the comment that's coming about dwelling, right? We didn't have that since uh, chapter two, right? You know, and all the way back in chapter two, if we recall, you know, you had this language of, uh, like well, where was it? It was like back in um, it was back in verse eleven of chapter two. And I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of Hosts has sent me to you. Um, and, and then again, this, this language of uh, I will again choose Jerusalem, right? And, and then also the jealousy language, which is also there. And I think it. I think um, to the point that you were making, it actually pairs very importantly with that Lord of Hosts idea because. I mean, we've been seeing it right. And all over Zechariah, back in chapter one, you know, you had the, the riders that were going and sent all over the place the different colored horses, um, back in chapter six, we had the chariots that were riding out all over the world. And so this is, yeah, this is the God who, um, you know, to your point, isn't just the God who has like all like who, uh, who isn't just really powerful in some sort of like, I mean, I don't know. He has like lots of abilities or force or something, but that, He is the one who oversees the whole earth and all the nations. And yet, even though he is this global, universal God, he has—and I like the way you're putting it— I think the way to understand jealousy is is devotion. He's devoted to Zion, particularly, right? Like, even though he's the God of all the nations, he has this devotion for just a particular one. He's devoted to Zion with this particular love— and faithfulness. So, I mean, it's it's quite the balance, right? Like the, he's like the universal God, and yet he's very particular for this one. And he's going to do whatever is necessary. To, to your point, then, what you were about to say about about the wrath, whatever it will take to protect them and keep them safe.
1: Exactly. He's not. He's not indifferent. He's not indifferent. He's not careless. He's not one who doesn't. Uh, give a rip either way, what, what happens? God cares deeply about his people, and he is fighting for them. And on the one hand, his great wrath has been meted out on disobedient people who were impenitent who would not listen when he warned them through the prophets of what was to right. come. And so his great wrath came upon them, upon the holy city, even upon the temple, which was destroyed uh, and by the Babylonians. And so, so people were hauled off into uh, Babylonian captivity. But God that was not his plan. That was not, you know, that was not the, that was the consequent will of God, not the antecedent will of God. So God's mm-hmm. will is really for his people to be saved, for people to be blessed, for his people to be with him and enjoy uh, peace and prosperity and, and every good thing that comes from his hand, not that evil should come upon them, not that war and violence and destruction should come upon them. That is not his Will and yet, you know, his that happened to the people because of their sin, because of their impenitence, because of their refusal to return to the Lord at his right. at his uh, appealing to them through the prophets. But now that great wrath in his jealousy will be meted out upon their enemies. The enemies of the Lord, the enemies of the Lord's people, the enemies of Zion will be the ones who will experience his great wrath, because the Lord is jealous, jealous, jealous for his people, zealous, 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 devoted to them, not indifferent, strongly loving them, passionately working on their behalf for their good. And that leads into the very next verse, where again Yahweh speaks and says, I have returned to Zion. I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So these people who had been God forsaken because of their sin, the city laid waste, the land desolate. Now God is returning, returning with all his blessings. He's going to dwell there. And again, this has to do with the temple especially, because right. how many times, you know, from the time of <clears throat> uh, the the temple being built in the days of Solomon, the Lord said, This is where I will dwell. So the Lord and his name will dwell Right there in the midst of Jerusalem, the city of peace. And it will be a faithful city. It will be truly the city of peace. The mountain of the Lord, thinking again of the Temple Mount especially, it will be the Lord of hosts dwelling there, the holy mountain. So God with his holiness, God with his faithfulness, God with all his blessings, Yahweh, the Lord, dwelling in the midst of his people, he has right. come back to them. So, Uh, you know, the husband who has been uh, estranged because of the unfaithfulness of his bride now has returned with his love and with his zeal and with his strength and with his blessings. And he is making his bride his bride to be holy. So you you think of, again, how the New Testament uses this image of Christ, the bridegroom, the church's bride, and Christ loving his bride, the church, and giving himself up for her to make her holy, to remove every spot and wrinkle and stain of sin so that she will be holy and without blemish. You know, the, all of that is is very much uh, rooted and grounded in this as well, that the Lord right. Yahweh returns to his city, dwells with his city, and now the city, she can be faithful, she can be holy, because the Lord is there with his blessings.
0: Right. Well, yes, and that, that's key, right? Uh, these are the blessings of of the Lord here. It's not that they've, you know, finally gotten their act together or something, but it's that God is coming, and when he comes, that that changes people. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's really well said. I want to, you know, make uh, maybe just ask one more question here about this section before we got to move on. I want to see if we can try to dig dig into the next section before our break here, just to keep us on pace. We, we've we talked a little bit in the previous um, segments, you know, for instance, the comment in verse seven about the East country and the West country. We've talked about that with like the four different directions and the riders and the chariots. You know, you, you got stuff going on in the Northeast with Babylon, stuff in the, the Southwest with Egypt. So, I mean, we've seen that before, but I want to ask the comment here in the middle, just an interesting image, uh, old men and old women sitting in the streets uh, with uh, st- with stabs staves, staves <laughs> uh, because of great age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls. I mean, just what a, I, I think that everyone intuitively thinks that, okay, they you know this is a good thing, this is a good image, but if you could just, uh, before our break here, because we only have like a minute or so, just kind of break down the image a little bit. Like, what, what's this getting at here?
1: The, the, what it's getting at is, peace and and safety and security so uh, when there's war, when there's bloodshed, when when people come in and, and destroy your land and there's famine and there's no food and people are uh, – there's raping and pillaging and, and everything is laid waste, that's the opposite of the picture we have here. Now, right. instead, there's peace, there's safety, there's prosperity, so that now people can live to old age when exactly. they're not being cut off by war and famine and disease. and And likewise, children not cowering in fear because of the – horror that has come upon them. Now there's boys and girls playing in streets and parks in the plazas. It's a picture of the city of peace being at peace and people being able to live to old age and see their children and their grandchildren and the happiness and the joy and the laughter is there restored to people because of the peace, the city of peace really being the peaceful city in faithfulness and holiness to the Lord.
0: Thank you. That I really um, I think helps us kind of see that you know like I, I think that uh, in our in our society right sometimes when we see like you no know, like um, I don't know any, anything re- regarding old age it's like a negative like oh it's old and like oh no you know I mean uh, I can't tell you how many times like you know I, I just in conversation with people like uh, at, at the store in the street. They, they, they tell me, don't get old, you know,
1: <laughs> and like,
0: I get I get I get what they're saying. Right. But like from like a Hebrew perspective, that's like saying, like, don't live long. Right. I mean, it's like, no, no, <laughs> Like we want to, you know, live long and prosper. And uh, it's just interesting to me, too, that um, in verse five, right, like just that image of of the streets being full of boys and girls, how we can relate to that, how, you know, whether if the boys and girls can go out and play, that is a sign of a safe community, of a safe place, right? When you got to lock up your kids inside and it's like, don't go outside. We don't, you know, don't know what's going on out there. Like how that's just kind of in, in every age, right? That's not like just a like a 21st century thing where we're like, oh, it's, it's not safe out here. It's like, no, this was a, a concern, you know, back, you know, thousands of years ago, too. But uh, so thanks for breaking that down. We got to move on to our next section. First, we got to take our break here. But everybody hang with us. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 8 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious Word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it. Over the
1: noontime hour
0: here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments
1: of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches.
0: I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 715 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere.
1: Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 8 today. We've just made our way through about the first quarter of the chapter here, so we're going to start reading the second chapter here in just a minute. I want to make sure to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check out their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for letting us do what we do every day. And I want to make sure also to invite our live listeners. Um, Of course, you know, it's great if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, We had some trouble with some podcasts a little bit ago, but you can search us now. It's working very uh, good, just as it always has been. If you just search for thy strong word, it pops up very quickly if you just use like the Google or the Apple podcast apps or something like TuneIn um really easy to find but if you are listening live well you can call in with a live question here um and and don't worry we don't we don't bite here so if you have a question for me or our guest today uh Pastor Warren Worth pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold Missouri you can call us at 1-800-730-2727 or if you're in St. Louis 314 314- Eight two one zero eight five zero, Or, you know, it's okay. If you're like feeling a little bit nervous about, I want don't, I to don't have my voice on the radio, you can send us an email and we'll just, uh, take a look at your question via email. KFUO at org. Don't be shy. Uh, all right. So brother, we made it through about a quarter of the way. Let's go ahead and get to the halfway point then and see if we can, uh, it's good of course i think to spend a little bit of time at the beginning cuz you're trying to set things up you got to take a moment to appreciate the context but we got the ball rolling here so let's not lose any momentum so uh okay let's let's pick it up here at verse 9 thus says the lord of hosts Let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets, who are present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for beast, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. But now... I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts, for there shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit and the ground shall give its produce and the heavens shall give their dew. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you and you shall be a blessing Fear not, but let your hands be strong. All right, so it's a little bit of a turn here, right? So we we move from the, kind of this this uh, beautiful image of of peace to kind of more directly, um, uh, yes, yeah, still more kind of more of a vision here of, of peace, right? Especially with the, the the vine and the earth and the heavens, right? But it's more of this turn of like, okay, here's a. Here's like an imperative, right? Or uh, I suppose technically like a jussive, right? It's like do do this thing, and it's uh this it's striking, right? right? Let your hands be strong. It's the first uh phrase in in the quote here, and it's the last one too. It sort of sounds like something from Joshua, but it, it's it's kind of unique here. So yeah, what do you what do you make of this uh this um, injunction here? Let your hands be strong.
1: Okay, well, it's good. So the the previous paragraph, you had God saying, I will dwell with my people, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. So that idea of God's going to dwell with his people and bless them with faithfulness and righteousness. Now, let your hands be strong as bookends at the beginning and end of this paragraph is God's word of encouragement to the people their hands will be strong because he will be the one strengthening them because on our own and and the, these people uh coming back from captivity their hands were weak they didn't have what it would take to rebuild this temple, rebuild the city wall, rebuild Jerusalem. But God was the one encouraging and strengthening them. So here, once again, is the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Tzibbe'oth, who is the one speaking, and it's his word that does it. His word is what makes them strong, makes their hands strong, so that they can rebuild the temple. And what's what's happening here, he's saying that uh, you have the words of the prophets who were speaking, the words right. of the prophets who were present on the day the foundation of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. Now, the building had come to a halt. You see, that's a problem. And and so the Lord, by his word here, and the words spoken by his holy prophets like Zechariah, like Haggai, is intending to strengthen their hands, to encourage them to get back to work, get the job done, build the the temple, they can do it with his help, with his strengthening them to do so. And again, woven into this, as you already mentioned, is now the the promise. In the past, verse 10 says, before there was a time there was no wage for man, no wage for beast. Mm -hmm. There wasn't safety from their foe. Even conflict and strife among the people themselves, every man against his neighbor. But now, verse 11, but now I will not deal with the people of this, the remnant of this people as in the former days. Now there's going to be peace, sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit. The ground shall give its produce. The heaven shall give their due. So now you've been worried about what you're going to eat. Where's your next meal going to come from? I'm blessing the land. I'm blessing the crops. I'm blessing the vine and the fig tree. I'm bringing the dew of heaven upon the land. And there will be peace, there will be prosperity, and you will be enabled now to get on right. with the work to rebuild that temple as, as I'm commanding you to do and bidding you to do and promising you that my blessing will be upon you as do this. Before... You were a byword. You were a curse among the nations, Judah and Israel, because my judgment had come upon you because of your unfaithfulness. But now, here he says it again, I will save you. You shall be a blessing. Fear not. Let your hands be strong. So these words of encouragement, God himself promising again to be their savior, the one who blesses them, who, who takes away the fear and what would make them afraid. Now there will be peace. There will be prosperity. There will be success. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his mighty power. Get to work. Rebuild the temple.
0: Yes, and, and I like the word you use there, um, enable, and because I think that, that that's a really good way of kind of tying all those things together that we've seen in this paragraph, and and even really kind of this first half of the chapter here, e- enabling, right? Um, you know, I, I like that you mentioned also at the beginning of the paragraph here, um, Haggai, right? Because it does say the prophets, plural, right? And it's like, hang on a second, prophets, you know, uh, who was the other one? Oh, right, Haggai, right? Um, and it's the same deal, right? Because you, you go back to Haggai, and what, what's it say in Haggai, right? That the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and stirred up the spirit of Shealtiel, uh, or uh, son of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, right? And the people. So it's the idea of, of, of enabling, right? God commanding, and then in the same way that those commands, right, um, on the first uh, days of creation uh, made it happen, enabled it to happen, as you were saying, same thing here. So, so yeah, and, and I think it's it's kind of it's a lot more logical than I think that maybe um, we we see if we kind of just go too fast here. Why, why weren't they able? Why couldn't they do it? Because they didn't have peace. Because they didn't have prosperity, right? How are you supposed to do a building project when there's so little to go around that you can't pay anyone to do things like build a temple? You're just, you're so concerned about, do we have enough money to eat? Do we have enough money to, you know, uh, have security, right? Like, okay, temple is going to have to wait, right? Um, How are you supposed to, you know, if you, if you are constantly looking over your shoulder, be building a temple, right? Um, So it's very difficult. So it's God who's the one who's making it possible, and it, and it is really interesting, too, that it's um it's not even just right that he's saying, like, I'm going to make it possible and enable you. Right. But there in verse 10, he he's saying, you know, for I set every man against his neighbor. I mean, he's also saying that before you couldn't do it kind of specifically because I was I was making it hard for you. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it, it was it was my judgment was actually the reason why you couldn't do it. Before, right? So, I mean, God is uh, here claiming responsibility for both sides of the coin, isn't He?
1: Exactly. He, he's saying, "I set every man's against his neighbor." It was God's judgment, His dealing with them. But now that there's that turning point in verse eleven, but now right. I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts for there shall be. And so there's that turning point. Now there will be the sowing of peace. Now the vine will give its fruit. Now the ground will produce its produce. The heavens will shower dew upon the people. And the remnant, again, that that idea of remnant is an important thing too. You know, the people have been decimated in in, uh, the judgment of God being meted out upon the land and the city. But now the remnant has returned. Now God is faithful to the remnant. And among the remnant of the people, there will be this blessing. There will be peace. There will be prosperity so that they will be able now with God's blessing, with his strength and, and uh, uh, power working in and through them, their hands will be strong. They do not need to be afraid. He will take away their fear. He will enable them to build.
0: Amen, amen. So yeah, that that unique kind of your hands, right? Like the work of your hands, right? All over the scriptures, um, hand is a, is a symbol of power. I mean, it's, and it's also a symbol of um, of work, of labor. And so yeah, I, I do think that there is a little bit of that kind of creation edge of things, right? Like we're we're creating because God is creating the ability in us.
1: And in Ezra, when it talked about the enemies, the Samaritans and stuff coming, they were trying to discourage the people, take away their courage, and make their hands weak by harassing them when when they were trying to build and so now the opposite is happening when the lord of hosts comes when the almighty comes and strengthens your hands and encourages you restores the courage takes away the fear makes it possible for you to do his will so god is the one uh to both to helps us both to do his to will and do his will so uh, his good pleasure that's what's going on here
0: Exactly, and so I mean it is it is really good because I mean this chapter is kind of connecting those dots a little bit because you know I remember like back when we were looking at um, some some of the earlier material and when we had those sorts of the the ethical teachings so called right like that it was back around verse eight nine right of uh, pr- chapter seven uh, render true judgment shown kindness and mercy to one another right um, do not oppress the widow and all the rest right uh, that that's not coming out of left field it's when you don't do those things that you're under God's wrath and you're not going to be able to do things like build a temple. Um, and, and similarly, um, it's when, it's when you are doing those things because God's enabled you to do them that then you can do these things. So, I mean, I'll just, these pictures of, you know, is God working in you? Cause as, as you keep redirecting us, um, very appropriately, it is really God who's working in us. So, I think it's a very good way to, to summarize this first half of the chapter. We want to have some time here to get into the second half and really uh, try to make some applications too to our own situation because we saw that it's not just a, a quirky kind of like, oh, the the fasts of the fifth and the seventh month and it's in that time. It, there really is something that connects to us too. So let, let's just take this next chunk here that deals with the fasting um, and then we'll kind of save that little bit at the end as a conclusion here. So here it is, picking it up at verse 14, the third quarter here of the chapter, thereabouts. For thus says the Lord of hosts, As I purposed to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. So again, have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah? Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another, Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth and the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness in cheerful feasts." Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Okay, so this this is—I feel like this is just—it just keeps tying more and more of this stuff together. This really does feel like a very um, fitting conclusion here. We we had just mentioned a second ago those those very same commands, right, about rendering good judgments and so forth that we looked at last time in Zechariah chapter seven. All those things, and now it's being connected. To the end of this time of weeping and mourning, the, the seventy years of um, fasting because of the destruction, right? Are they are in fact coming to a close as God now enjoins love, truth, and peace. So, yeah, no, I mean that there there's a new interesting shift in what God is commanding, what God is enabling, right?
1: <clears throat> Indeed, once again. He's having the before and the after, the law and the gospel. So, before, you know, I brought disaster when your fathers provoked me to wrath. I did not relent. The the, the boom was lowered, as I said it would, because they would not listen. They would not repent. So my wrath came upon them. But now, so again, verse 15, so again, now is my good and gracious purpose in these days to bring good to Jerusalem, to the house of Judah. Fear not. So he repeats this again. Fear not. Don't be afraid. The bad old days are gone. You know, my wrath was meted out. My judgment came upon the people and on the city. Now here I am with my grace and my favor. I promise I'm going to bring good to Jerusalem. I'm going to bring good to the house of Judah. Do not be afraid. The, and, but now there's a new life. The response, his love, Our response, God's grace, our new life as his new creation, his faithful people. These are the things you should do. Speak truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true. Make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Love no false oath. All these things I hate. So God hates evil, but instead he loves what is good and right and true. And he is the author of this. And the one who makes it possible for us to walk in newness of life. In the New Testament, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, once you were darkness, now you're light. Now you're the children of light. Walk as children of light. And <clears throat> the old, you're, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's that kind of picture here, too. God has worked repentance. God has worked faith, and now he's bringing out the new life for these people. And here's what your new life should look like, how you live as God's people who have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, people who have been brought from judgment to the time of God's grace and blessing. Speak the truth. Let justice and peace prevail. That's the way it should be. Not false oaths, not uh, hating one another and devising evil, but... From the inside out, you know, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And with, from the, a new and clean and right heart is going to sprout the words and the deeds that bear witness to that change right. that God has brought about.
0: Well, and I appreciate you bringing up—I uh, mean, that—that that from the Psalm, right? From Psalm fifty-one. I mean, it's—I um, mean, of course, it's—it's a, it's a big part of our liturgy, um, creating me a clean heart, oh God. But uh, I mean, it complements a lot of the what we've been talking about because we keep seeing this again and again—the language of love, the language of heart—throughout uh, the Old Testament, and we we always got to keep reminding ourselves, right? When, when the Bible talks about heart, it, the heart is the place where you plan. It's the place where you think about things, where you ponder things, where you think about your next move, right? Um, and, and we think of that as up in the head, right? But so when, when you have this idea, especially, it's so nice how these things get paired. Um, in verse 17, God says, these things I hate. And then at the end of 19, therefore, love, truth and peace, right? We're talking about like planning. We're talking about um, whose side are you on, right? Do you want to be on this side of of falsehood and you know short-term gain at other people's expense right Do you want to be on that side well that's the side um that god's opposed to right these things i oppose you might translate it right and so when he has the command that in verse 19 therefore love truth and peace this isn't just like i don't know think about truthy and peacey things and have happy thoughts about that right because i mean who, who are you going to talk to? Who's going to say like, oh yeah, yeah? Who doesn't? Yeah, sure, I love truth and peace. Yeah, truth, and peace. That sounds great. Everyone loves truth and peace. Yeah, peace, man. You know, peace sign, right? uh No, that's <laughs> it's not anything as nearly as shallow as that. He's saying, you know, be on the side of truth and peace, right? Align yourselves with truth and peace. Get get on my side here, right? And of course. Um, the only way you can do that is when you're being invited and you know as, as you were saying you're you're brought into it God moves you to his side right uh, and ultimately, so it is, yeah
1: ultimately truth and peace are found in Jesus right so I, let's let's yeah. make sure people let's connect that uh with everything here too that loving truth and peace comes from the fact that truth and peace have come to us in Jesus Christ yes. he is the one he is the Lord of hosts. Was come to dwell in our midst. Uh, the Word was made flesh and tented among us, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, you know, John says in his gospel. And so when Jesus comes, who is the way, the truth, and the life? He is the Prince of Peace. You know, in him we find God's truth, God's peace that has come to us, and that changes everything for us. It's only then by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us on Calvary's cross, who died and rose again for our salvation. There we find God's truth, God's peace, and he is the one, by the power of his Holy Spirit through the gospel, who produces in us a love for truth and peace in every realm of our life.
0: Yeah, ex- well, that's really well said, and I appreciate you. Um, I mean, making the connection to John one even. I think that that did that I, that had occurred to me, but yeah, you know, that that pair there here, which we have as truth and peace. I feel like this is pretty much kind of Zechariah's own way of putting what we saw in Moses right back in Exodus when when he had grace and truth, which which gets picked up in John, right? A, kind of similar idea, right? Where it's as you said, this isn't truth in kind of an abstract sense, like, you know, just kind of like, oh yes, truth, you know, like we're in pursuit of truth and we're going to, the truth is out there, right? No, but truth is in faithfulness, right? All all these nouns are so much less abstract in Hebrew, right? Truth is in in faithfulness. Truth is uh, when when someone says what they're going to do because they're being honest and because they're faithful. Um, And peace as in, you know, the peace that God brings, right, through his grace. And as you were saying, who who is that i mean it's 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 jesus christ himself ultimately and i want to uh just take a moment too before we move on uh we have a comment here that we got from uh from over email yeah. here so we was a question about i, I think that it's, so it's comparing the niv i guess here right um that i i guess I, and this is actually i think pastor Worth, something that you were mentioning too that the the niv's translation of um, well, the name of God here, which the ESV translates as like the the Lord of Hosts, um, and the e- NIV goes um, Lord Almighty, right? Um, That's right. I, so the comment here is just, you know, that uh, that translation, the kind of the, the nice thing, or the, kind of the takeaway for for uh, our, our friend here who's commenting, is that it's a pleasant reminder that God has all things in His hands perhaps in this season of Lent, it also serves as reassurance that despite our sins, God is in control over all that he's created and he saves us in Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Thank you uh, for that comment. Yeah, I, I think we, we got to make sure that we, uh, yeah, I mean, understand it. It's the idea of he's in control of everything. and um, And I think that, you know, in the view of Zechariah, they're thinking about being in control of all the nations because that's the thing that they're worried about right they're not worried about um you know viruses i mean they're they're worried about you know hey what's egypt gonna do what's babylon gonna do what's what's persia gonna do now right the new the new power on the block right um in control of all the nations but yeah for us um you know we have a little uh, maybe things that are maybe a little bit more abstract we're thinking about the you know the stock market taking a hit because of um you know, oil prices and, you know, COVID-19 concerns, right? But regardless of the kind of trouble, it's all in God's hands, isn't it, brother?
1: Yes, the the Lord is is in control, the Lord of hosts, and he says, I will save you. He repeats that to his people here, his covenant people. And now, as we're going to see before the chapter ends, you and I, who were once not part of his covenant people, are included in his covenant people so that we too can hear him say to us, fear not, I will save you. Everything's going to be okay, particularly eternally. Everything's going to be okay as God has saved us in his son, Jesus Christ, so that we know God's truth and his peace. And then we can live in truth and peace with one another. So yes, the the command here is certainly that we who have experienced God's peace should live in peace and in truth with one another, not being dishonest, not carrying out injustice against one another, but living in living in uh, honesty, uh, tr- living truly, no false oath. We're dealing truly with one another. One other quick comment here in that verses 18 and 19 of when he talks about the fasting, Unless we don't oh, have yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to that, because the fasts there appear to be Jews after the Babylonian, uh, during the Baptist, Babylonian captivity, after the destruction of Jerusalem, had fasts in those months: the fourth month, the fifth month, and seventh and tenth month, uh, remembering uh, the, the events that uh, had to do with the the siege of Jerusalem and its fall. Right. Right. So those who have a Lutheran study Bible can look at the footnote, footnote there where it says, the fourth month fast commenced, uh, commemorated the breaching of Jerusalem's walls, the fifth the lamented the burning of the temple and other important buildings, the seventh marked the anniversary of the assassination of Gedaliah, provisional governor of the occupied territory, and the tenth mourned the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem by Nege- Nebuchadnezzar. So these times where people were having these sad times remembering the terrible things that happened, that God's judgment happened to the people. Now that's going to be turned on his head instead of mourning and weeping and wailing. Now is a time of joy and gladness and cheerful feasting because God has completely turned things around. Now is no longer God's anger against you. Now is God's blessing returning you to Jerusalem so that you can rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, and enjoy God's blessing there.
0: Amen. Thank you. I was going to ask you about that because we, we didn't actually have mentioned in chapter seven, the fourth and the 10th month fasts. But but right, isn't that something that they ask, they come to him and ask about the fifth and the seventh month fasts, right? And then in God's reply, he's like, yeah, not just those ones, even the fourth and the 10th month ones, though, that you didn't even ask about, all of those were changing to joy and gladness. We're getting more than we're even asking for. Um, so it's just, I mean, a beautiful, I mean, that, that kind of move, right, where God just overwhelms with grace. Uh, I think you set up the last chunk here well that, you know, finally we get another image of of the Gentiles coming in. Uh, We're not going to have any comment time beyond that. But let me go ahead and just read it here before we sign off for today here. So here's verse 20 through the final verse, verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. All right, there we go. Chapter 8, done here. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you breaking it down for us. Uh, looking forward to having you on again soon. Hope that trivia night goes well and that you're able to uh, have a very successful fundraiser there for the support of the good work you're doing. God bless you. Every- Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Warren Worth, pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. Till next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa.
1: Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.